Welcome to the First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Anne Louise Gittleman is a New York Times bestselling author of over 37 books on diet, detox, the environment, and women's health. For more than four decades, Anne Louise has been regarded as a leading voice and visionary in nutrition and who has fearlessly stood on the front lines of holistic and integrative medicine. For more information, check out annlouise.com. That's A-N-N-L-O-U-I-S-E.com. And here's your host, Anne Louise Gittleman. Hi, everyone. Anne Louise here. And I want to first welcome you and also welcome our wonderful sponsor, Unikey Health. Unikey Health distributes all my weight loss plans, my fat-blasting bile builder, the ultimate brain support, and magnesium are multitasker. So look us up at unikeyhealth.com and be ready to fasten your seatbelts because I've got a terrific guest, Ron Haruska. Ron You are the founder of the Postural Restoration Institute, and it's been in process now for at least 25 years. Why why are you different than any other physical therapist? And you're my physical therapist, so I can tell everybody that you are different. You're caring. You look for underlying causes, and you've done tremendous work in the field of physical therapy. But what makes you so different in your own words, my dear friend? Well, I appreciate that. And thank you for uh, allowing me to to, to have this moment with you, Anne Louise, I, I mean it, uh, I'm honored. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm that, I'm not sure, I'm not really positive even that I'm any more special than any other physical therapist out there, but I you, do. You are, the- you, I've been to many, you are my friend. Well, he is just very humble, everybody. Go ahead. <laughs> but I appreciate that. I, you know, Anne, Anne Louise, I start off in a, you know, I start off a, a career of uncertainty. And, and to be honest with you, I still am in it. I don't really know what I want to be. I start off real quickly. Uh, in uh, I was very interested in dentistry and I started off in a dental program. And, you know, a few years into it, a year into the dental school program, I realized I'm not going to be happy just looking at teeth the way dentists do. And the reason for that is because I think there's a, a relationship between, uh, you know, any structure in our body that supports us. And the teeth are one of those systems that support us. So I got, then I got into physical therapy school, hoping that I get more out of, uh, you know, posture and support. I was interested in the spine and curvatures of the spine and rhythms of the spine and body, et cetera, et cetera. And I graduated from a PT school. And as I got through, I still didn't know if I really was going to resonate well with a career only looking at bones and muscles and orthopedic neurology and uh, because I'm so interested in zoology. I have a minor in zoology and I went into a program called public administration because I wanted to know relationships and how people and humanity work. And to this day, I, I love looking at integrated systems. Uh, you know, we're going to talk today, I think about how the floor influences our pelvis floor and our diaphragm floor and our mouth floor, our, our, our oral cavity, if you will. And that relationships, that relationship on posture has stuck with me from day one. I'm the oldest of 13 children. And oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I had a, such a wonderful mom and dad. And when we were raised, nature was important to us in terms of how things moved and how things supported each other and communities, you know, and you look at, you look at relationships really strong. And so I, 
I started this institute because there was a, a significant amount of, of uh, research out there that said, you know, this human body, you have two of them. You have a left one and you have a right one. Cortically, uh, supportively, uh, physiologically, uh, mentally, we have these two sides of our body and they are completely different. And when I went through all these programs of study, I just realized how, how much information was in these textbooks relating to you know, the, the body as if it had the two sides that were, were doing similar things with, in similar ways, and that's just not the way it works. So hemispherically, um, I look at posture from a cortical functional dominant uh, way, and, and, and I've always had an affinity for what really carries us around in life, and that is how we function with both sides of our body uh, to breathe with our diaphragms that we have. We have them in many places of our body and how we contend with gas and gravity. And, you know, that's kind of an overall quick view uh, of how I got there. Um, I can elaborate, Anne Louise, you know, a lot of the patients I saw earlier in my career were missing limbs. I worked at a VA medical center for years and worked with people that had you know, loss of limbs um, coming back from the Vietnam War and mm -hmm. those people that had, you know, diabetes or, you know, uh, uh, poor circulation that lost their limbs or to either that disease or trauma, you learn really quickly how the brain functions or does not function when there's, when there's no capability of communicating with the two sides of your body that you may have or may not have. And so uh, the whole institute, uh, today focuses on this need for um, communication between the two sides of the body, recognizing that our left side of the body is a little bit different and for a little bit different in terms of how we use it to support ourselves. And our right side of the body is really regulated by this thing called the left hemisphere of our brain. And when we start looking at, you know, patterns, uh, these patterns that I've seen for years in humans of all walks of life, uh, you realize that there's a, a pretty good way to look at a, a body that's not working the way you want it to work with respect to breathing and, and arm and leg use. There's a pretty good way to test uh, exactly what's going on cortical functionally with your brainstem and functionally with your, your diaphragms that you breathe with that really have an impact on how you do or do not sit, stand, and sleep. And so we focus on programs to help people move with more balance, more composure between the two uh, sides of the brain and more uh, and better ability, if you will, to uh, work both upper extremities and lower extremities correctly. So when I first met you, it was at my TMJ expert's office, Dr. Jason Paling. The first thing you did was you told me to get rid of my shoes. So let's talk about feet. <laughs> what do feet have to do with it? Well, that's where that's where it gets a little bit complex, complex but it really isn't. The feet, uh, the feet are sensory organs. Uh, they're basically a big old sensory organ. Uh, we have one on each side, and that filters and feeds information to your to your brainstem and to your your uh, 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 sensory areas of your brain, like your thalamus, your thalamus, and your 
your prefrontal lobes of your brain that say, you know, this is where you're at in space and this is all that's going on around you with your vision and your smell and your arm movement. It goes to this hypothalamic thalamic region of your brain. And that information, a lot of that information comes from both what you see and how you sense what you see and what you feel and what you do with the sense that you feel. And the, obviously the myth, the, the myth to all this is the feet are there for support, but the feet are big tentacles. They are like mm -hmm. toggle switches. Mm -hmm. They send information of when you heel strike, when you push off, uh, what phase the respiratory cycle are you in? Are you lifting? Are you lowering? Um, they tell you uh, so much about the sense of your joints and, and whether or not the sense of those joints are, are evenly distributed in terms of patterns that you've acquired over your life and adaptations that you made because of things that you've done in a habitual way. The feet are so important. And when we look at the teeth, the teeth have these wonderful uh, nerve endings. The highest sensory system in our body is, is our ligature or ligaments of our teeth. Uh, they are just full of sensory organs that tell us whether or not we are moving towards the middle of the mouth or away from the middle of the mouth, and that would be including your body. So between the feet and between your teeth, you have two rows of teeth, and I consider those two rows similar to the two rows of toes you got on each side. You got one row on the right, one row on, row on the left, and that communication between those teeth and toes is so instrumental in terms of decision making and and, uh, and isolation act isolation as it relates to activities that you're doing and more importantly and louise it really gives you a sense of self who you are uh how you how you move what you think and what you're afraid of or not and that that runs our dopamine system our our amygdala of our body the things that we like or don't like so feet are really important in terms of not only support, but for position awareness and for respiration and for digestion. And most importantly, for uh, this autonomic nervous system that we have that says we're safe or not. So what kind of shoes do you like? Can you share with my listeners the brand and type and reason behind that? Well, we I can. And I'll tell you, as soon as I do, in a year from now, and Louise will be history. <laughs> well, then you'll so, come back and share the new information. I will. Well, I'll tell you what, how you can do that. I, I, we have a clinic that has my name on the front of it. It's called Haruska, H-R-U-S-K-A clinic. It's a physical therapy clinic. And every year, the physical therapists in that clinic update the shoe list. And mm -hmm. right now I know, you know, A6 is on there. There's some Brooks on there. There's, uh, there's shoes every year that they test out and they look at those shoes for that year because they change a man Louise every year. And we, we, we list those shoes that give us the best heel awareness, the best arch awareness and support and sense. And they even, we even put in the, we have a little category of things like um, best for, um, you know, this type of a patient. So if you, if your listeners go to the Haruska clinic, uh, just type in my first name clinic and go to the shoe list every year that shoe list is updated. And I think it's already been updated for the year 2023. Wow. I'm wearing my ASICs now as we speak. Are you? Are you? That's wonderful. Yeah. But what happens with the teeth? 
what happens when you're missing teeth? What does that mean for your brain? Well, the brain, the brain is significantly tied to your occlusal awareness from uh, different parts of the mouth um, for airway clearance, for lateral, lateralized function from left to right. Uh, it, our sagittal movement forward and back depends on whether or not we really have molars in our mouth that we sense. They're very similar to the heels that we strike when we walk. Our brain needs to know where and when movement starts and stops, and it begins with molars. So molars are really important. And if you are missing molars or if you have uh, overuse of one side of the mouth versus the other, your temporal bones know it. The, uh, the way you move and talk with your jaw, uh, you'll, you'll be very, very uh, patterned because of your occlusion. Um, the teeth also give you the need for, not the need, give you the ability to expand your, and, and move away from the center of your body. Some, most of our patients that have, have or are missing teeth uh, are in the process of missing teeth to decay or trauma, or maybe, maybe uh, even with the, the activity they're doing in their life with their feet, their teeth ha have changed over time. But the teeth and the feet are very closely tied together. You can't really separate the one from the other when it comes to posture of the mouth and posture for your body. So when you look at the mouth and then you look at the tongue and you look at the airway and you look at the palate and you look at these things called uh, muscles that operatively give your temporal mandibular joints uh, uh, function that represent who you are with your voice and the modulation of your thinking processes, you have to really consider those teeth. And the front of the mouth, you have these wonderful incisors that guide you and guides you know, your base of your skull. So where you put your head on top of your spine. So you'll see people that have certain guidance from that anterior part of the mouth that actually regulates whether your head likes to go forward or not. So, you know, we look at the front of the mouth, the front of the teeth, those incisors and lateral incisors, and we look at those lateral teeth, your bicuspids and your molars, as you would um, feet from, front, from um, one side to the other. And then the teeth are really neat because they've got a medial border and a lateral border called, you know, uh, mesial, you know, there's buccal surfaces and there's these lingual surfaces, Anne Louise, that'll actually give you a sense of whether or not your vestibular system needs to jump in on the act. So they're closely tied to your balance. They're tied to your tongue and the tongue is the best regulator we have for balanced airflow and balanced use of the mouth for speaking and swallowing and, and uh, uh, self-regulation, if you will, of our head and neck posture. So it's an overview, but we work with dentists to understand feet and we work with people who put shoes and orthotics on feet that understand uh, teeth. I love it. But what do you do if you're missing a tooth? It's a really good question. Uh, there are a lot of ways a dentist can either fill that gap, bridge that gap or put an implant in. And- uh, Do you believe in implants, Ron? I, I believe in I believe in implants when it has to do Anne Louise with the molars, uh, because without the first two molars, your first and second molar, if you have one molar on some patients they have that we work with can get by with one molar, but the back of your mouth is almost a religious chamber to me. It's a mm -hmm. very 
It's a very important part of our physiology, our psychology, and our physical element of support. So I, I have I have had people do very very well with implants in the, for the back for those back teeth. I've seen implants, you know, do some, you know, not so good things in other people. Uh, they're very hard. It takes time to get an implant to you know to become useful. But you know, dentists do a great job with implants and. And depending on the patient, they do a very good, dentists do a very good, you know, before they start putting anything in the mouth, like an implant, you really have to question whether or not it's going to hold. You've got the bone structure for it. And more importantly, do you need it? And so that's a very good question. I, I really don't push implants unless I know it's going to, it's going to have an impact on cervical stability. Cervical is, is neck, neck orientation and function of that that system and the system I'm talking about is the stomatonathic system. That would be your mouth, your, your, your pharynx, your larynx, the, the whole operative activity that goes on uh, with chewing, swallowing, and speaking. So I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not against, you know, uh, implants, but I believe they should be considered for everybody should, everybody should be worked up whether or not they really need them. And I'm one of these advocates of, of, of making sure we do everything, you know, as you grow from six years on up, making sure that we protect those molars and make sure the molars are in the right position and, 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 and in the right width of space and the right, the right state of occlusion early on. And so that's why if you're missing a molar born without them or tra traumatized and you don't have molars on, on the back of your mouth, on uh, the bottom or the top on either side, uh, you, your body will know it. More than likely, the curvatures in your body, your spine, the pronation and supination of your wrist, arm, and legs and feet are all going to be impacted, and, and pardon the pun, but impacted by that lack of support and occlusal awareness that those molars provide. Interesting. Nobody looks at those things. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And how important are the heels? You used to teach me to walk a certain way. Hi, my friends. Before I go any further, let me take a moment to, to acknowledge my sponsor, Unikey Health, at unikeyhealth.com, which is your universal key to health since 1992. I have been a spokesperson for this company for over 30 years. They're the home of all my weight loss plans, the Fat Blasting Bio Builder, which has been featured in national magazines. They also carry the ultimate brain support and the magnesium multitasker. So whether it's weight loss, internal cleansing, or just targeted health support, go to unikeyhealth.com. Tell them Anne Louise sent you. Heels are important, Anne Louise, Louise, because it's really the it's the the brain's way of finding resonance. It's the way that individuals who are are trying to figure out where they're at in the cycle of forward locomotor movement, um, where they're really at in that cycle. In other words, it's the initiation of forward movement. Whether you get out of bed in the morning whether you get out of a chair or a car or whether you, you, you're stopped and you start, your body knows that it's, uh, it's got one side responsible for movement when that heel on that side strikes. When that heel strikes on one side, the other side should be in what we call a, a swing phase. And the arms are tied to it. So when you hit heel strike on one side, the opposite arm knows it. So your left arm works with your right leg and 
your right arm works with the left one. So when your left heel hits the floor, you're moving forward with your right foot and left arm while your left foot is pushing you forward as the right arm is moving back with that left foot. So our cadence of ours, of our movement starts with heel strike. Just like when we move, we, when we chew, we'll bite an apple, pull it off with our front teeth. That apple's got to go somewhere in that mouth. And you start the chewing process by not biting the apple. You start the chewing process, the process of masticatory function, which is similar to locomotor movement of the feet. You start it by moving that apple to one side of your mouth to begin your chewing. And that those molars really need to be there so that you can use the entire floor, the entire mouth for chewing. So you don't choke, so you can swallow correctly and maybe even speak and you know, drink a little wine when you're in the process of, of, mm -hmm. of dinner. So the, the molars are really important for uh, uh, backward movement of food and your heels are really important for backward movement of, of objects that you're walking through like uh, uh, a car lot or a, a room with, with two walls to it. Our flow of our, of our, the flow of the food, the flow of our, our liquid, and the flow of this space around us depend on our awareness of the heels and the molars. So Ron, who comes to you and why? Give me a, a, an overview of the conditions that you treat. I, I would say, Anne Louise, that the number one person that usually finds us are individuals who have been through a lot of programs, a lot of good PT, physical therapy, chiropractic, uh, fascial, you know, manual release programs, neural programs, and they have this inability to rest. They can't sleep. Uh, their their difficulty with their their breathing is is uh, is imperative. They want to they want to breathe better. Uh, I would say that's the the largest category of people. These are the same people that have back pain. Uh, they have a history of you know, unilaterality issues. They lean to one side, they list to one side. They have visual issues. You know, they get glasses and they never really can, they can't really get their visual system to work like they want it to in different, in different dimensions, whether it be distance or near. It's not the optometrist that's at fault. It's their body that's constantly fluctuating. So they're the patients that have what we call head and neck pain. And we see a, I see a lot of those individuals, but most, I would say the, the, the typical person is a person who's truly having a problem with upright management of themselves. Uh, they're almost disassociated from their body. They have one strong solid side of their body and they can't connect or interconnect or communicate with the other side like they hope to. And they come in all forms. I mean, scoli pe people with scoliosis, uh, people with, you know, neurological diseases, uh, people that have really just this common occurrence of pain over and over and over again. And they know that a pattern uh, will change it. They can change their position. They can maybe, maybe they sit a certain way, the pain goes away. So we look at patterns and we look at not only how, how the body moves in patterns, but we look at system integration correlated with that pattern. So there's a lot of people, Anne Louise, that are having back pain right now that has nothing to do with the back. It has everything possibly to do with how they do or do not use their mouth or their arm or their neck. That's so fascinating. Or, or, their, or their visual system. 
So there's a lot of neurological disorders on the rise. I know Parkinson's is one of them. Yeah, Do you have any yeah. insight into that? I think you just gave some sort of, uh, yeah, we, we were in a conference. You've been speaking about this for years. Yep, I have. And I have, I love talking about people that, uh, I really mean this. I love, you know, I just did some research this morning on tremors and, and this, uh, this thing called dystonia and is what essential versus non-essential tremors are and what are, how are tremors different for people that have basal ganglia disease or, or like you said, Parkinson's. Uh, tremors are tremors. It basically says that your body is, is, is not getting enough inhibition of something. You're not capable of smoothly directing fluid, fluid-like movement without you wanting your body needing to have uh, some type of uh, activity that's going to either slow you down or regulate the control better than it's being regulated by hormones like dopamine. And so when you start looking at what what's going on with this, this system of what I would call spasmodic or saccadic or tremor-like tremor -like activity, you realize that there's, there's a lot of similarities across the board with these, these, with these different diseases and dysfunctional states. And the one similarity is that the body really needs to have, again, good awareness of how to regulate this hemi activity, hemi spatial activity, hemi arm, hemi diaphragm, hemi chest wall, hemi hip, these two sides. And once you can get that repetitive activity, you know, uh, moving again with good awareness of what's underneath of you and what's what you're using to, to, to become a, a solid bilateral individual, some of these tremors will go down quickly. And uh, this may not surprise you, but simple things like different uh, music, different, um, uh, sound waves, different different brain waves. You know, there's a resonance to all of us, Anne Louise. And once we find that resonance and we balance it out, we start to calm down. And that's the thing. What disrupts that resonance in the beginning is what this research is all about. Some people pick up a boxing bag and start boxing with their arms. Next thing you know, they feel great and they can walk around so much better. We just put a symposium on a Parkinson's last year where we brought in some people that really work with Parkinson's and um, spend a lot of time with research and patients who have it. And, and these same people who have Parkinson's disease are, your, are the people down the street. They're people that you, some of them, you don't even know they have it. Some of them have di been diagnosed with it, but they all need one thing. They, they need this ability to, to generate this rhythmic alternating activity where they're in control of. And that's why we look at shoes and we look at heel strike and we look at breathing techniques. And, and of course, if they're on medication, we put that medication to use where they can actually repattern their brain uh, without having the need for more and more medication to calm them down. So breathing has a lot to do with it, Anne Louise, so well, much you, to do with it. And this is why I want to ask you one last question. I've been reading how TB seems to have re and kind of resurface these days and a lot of our <clears throat> neurological issues are related have you seen any research to indicate that did you say tb or tb isn't tb isn't tuberculosis oh absolutely in fact um <laughs> i can't, i'm not an expert in this field but i do know there's there's that word correlation again there's these correlations that definitely are being looked at considered and yes um resurfacing would be a better way, better way to describe it. 
So what's next for you? Have you written any books for us lay people? I read quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I'm reading a book right now and on my desk that, you know, let me grab it here. The things that uh, I resonate towards and Louise are things that have to do with systems like uh, our sensory systems, our, our, our nervous system networks. And one of them happens to be the visual system. And I'm reading a book right now by Temple Grandin, G-R-A-N-D-I-N on visual thinking, uh, the hidden gifts of people who think in pictures and patterns and abstractions. How interesting. You know, I love, I love reading, um, I, I love reading your material, by the way. Um, I love reading about me metabolic activity and uh, resonance. And I love this discussion about, uh, you know, what our thalamic system and our, and our midbrain uh, does with, you know, oxidizing issues and toxins and this whole radiation and, uh, you know, our whole technical world. And Louise, I feel like I'm talking to the queen of this, but this technology out there, how does it, how is it changing not only our lifestyle, but our biology? Exactly. I love, about that. I love, I love studying that. But Ron, I, my question is really, what are you going to write? When are you going to write your book? You know, I've written, I, I would tell you right now, Anne Louise, there's always a time and place and, and you know, for writing, as you well know. <laughs> and I've written probably, I want to say at least we have right now at least uh, 10 courses that we're giving in this institute through faculty and staff, uh, you know, working together. And I probably have written, you know, 25 plus type seminars and conferences and, and course materials, coursework. And each one of them are related to each other. They're all related. They're all related to the respiratory system. They're all related to, you know, how well we turn or don't turn our bodies. They're all tied to this neurological, physiological, and physical world we're in. They're all together. And so I'm not, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm struggling with, with what I really want to do for the general public, for sure, because things like avoidance patterns and, and how we live and flow and breathe with lateralization in our life, I think it's, an, I think it's poorly understood how important the two sides of our worlds are. We have a left one and a right one. Reaching, you know, the word reaching, Anne Louise, is something I want to write about. You know, how important it is to, to reach out with arms and legs, but more importantly, with different, different subjects, different uh, uh, matter, different, different worlds of existence, you know, reaching out. I, I think it's, a, it's so important for our brain and our extremities to maximize our sense uh, by reaching out towards things that we're not familiar with. Um, that reduces things like adhesions and tension and tightness. And, you know, it reduces our, our ability to stay so uh, secure with one topic. We need, a, we need more. We need more, uh, you know, infiltration of, of other minds, of other disciplines. I call it artwork in science. You know, that's why things like vision is so big to me and spatial relationships are so big to me. Um, so, you know, the, the, the answer to your question is I have started writing many books. <laughs> they mm. turn out, to, then they turn up in course materials. But so, how can we access that, Ron? That's a good question. I have a, a inner, uh, we have a website 
It's called Postural Restoration Institute. You just type in the word, po po words Postural Restoration Institute, and there'll be, there'll be information on what webinars are free to the public to watch. Like I did one, I did seven sessions last year or two years ago when we were going through COVID. And it was all about, you know, how to use your lungs better and your thorax better and what considerations should you make, you know, in keeping your chest walls, uh, you know, more fluid and more, I mean, more mobile and less tense, more fluid-like. Uh, that was, I'm going to be a, doing a webinar this spring, of, I think three or four of them on vision and how it influences your mandible and how your, how your, your things that we talked about today are influenced by spatial relationships and, and this need for our, our visual system and our auditory system to interplay better with what, what's going on, uh, on your, on and with the environment you are in. We're not out in nature enough. And how do we take the worlds we're in and naturalize them? Uh, how do we get the things that we're around to flow better? And, and how do we sense them better? Because that's really what our brain wants. Otherwise, we go into these called these patterns that we talk about in the Institute. We like to stand on one leg more. We like to breathe mm -hmm. with one set of lungs more. We like to work one arm and eye more. Mm -hmm. And those things, they don't, it's not that you can't do that. But over time, it's going to have a major impact on how well you can reach out and look at things from a different perspective. So I would, that's the type of material I like to write about. And to answer your question, the best what place to get it would be to go on the, uh, go on the internet and look up the Institute and just search for uh, those webinars. We have a lot of faculty on, that have written a lot on this material that you can also read about. So parting words for my listeners. Well, I would think I, I, as I, I'm, I'm hesitating to, I wanna make sure I say this correctly. I would think that it, by listening to this podcast or listening to this uh, session with you, Anne Louise, I hope the listener recognizes the importance of the word integration and the importance of the word uh, of, uh, HEMI, the word ha half, H-E-M-I, HEMI activity in your life. Uh, I, the, our posture, our movement, our ability to sleep and work during the day requires constant communication between the two sides of your body. And I would hope that the listener who's listening to this knows that when you have pain, more than likely, there's a struggle going on between the two sides of your brain the two sides of your lung and the two sides of your appendages. And that struggle is usually what creates tension. And that's why if, on the parting words, I would say you're, you, have a, you have a system of neurology. It's called autonomic nervous system and our central nervous system. And those two neurological systems depend on resonance between the two sides of our body. Dominant patterns in overused, overused hemi brain function. In other words, one side of the brain versus the other side of the brain, or one side of your arms and legs versus the other, will challenge any human. And that results in curvatures of spines, twisted necks, contorted trunks, ankles that like to become sprained, and teeth that become you know, positioned in malocclusal states including our own mind, our psychological mindset, you know, our, our perspectives. So as I leave you, I, I just want everybody to remember that you have two sides. You're a biological, B-I means two, 
two sides of our body. They are completely different from the, each other and they respect each other. We were put together on this earth uh, to respect those two sides. And those two sides give us freedom. They give us the ability to, to, to become creative and they give us uh, this wonderful ability to, especially this time of the year, uh, with Christmas to be joyful. That amygdala needs those two sides Joy. to communicate to communicate communicate with each other. That's that's what I would leave with this uh, with this discussion. Lovely. Will you come back, Ron? You bet. You bet, <laughs> you bet I will. You're you so excited. Again, you're you're just uh, you're uh, uh, my son and I were talking about your prolific mentality and your prolific way of getting people to think about um, the body and the in in the in the way I just presented it you know it's an integrated system and what you eat and what you do and what you feed yourself in, in terms of space around you sight things hearing art music uh, how you use your arms and legs so critical for every part of our of our systems that all are communicating whether people want to fully under, agree with this or not are communicating on a very very unique level constantly so interesting so, so thank you so much for being my guest and i want to thank all of my listeners for tuning in yet once again to first lady of nutrition podcast we wish you a happy healthy new year full of peace integration and using both sides of your body shalom uvraha And please don't forget to subscribe and like First Lady of Nutrition podcast. Thank you so very much.